0: Welcome to the LaRouge Rugby Podcast, with your hosts, Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy, and Dan Murphy. Dan the Presti up to
1: Larson got our ball. Mm-hmm. Looks like it's brought down. I guess cleanly. As the forwards are going to keep it in. Liner has to get out of there on the wrong side of the ball. And we'll go with another drive. Nikali taking this one up. Nakatini doesn't want to be outdone. Like Rumble. Just another quick take. Really keeping the ball in tight here. And they've earned advantage.
0: So let's see if they stretch the legs. Let's see what Robertson does with it. Dummies a pass, dummies the kick, and it does pass it to Takatsu Simpson, who puts a man on his heels, Doug He He's in try time. Doug Fraser in the corner.
1: Old Glory extending their lead.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. We have a lot to talk about, gentlemen. In a uh, quiet couple weeks of news But uh, some big things have happened up And some banter has started online And we're kind of uh, chomping at the bit To get going about it But first and foremost How are you guys doing?
1: Well, it's nice to see that you care about us And you think we're important this week um, Now that I don't have
0: know. anyone else more important On the show yeah, Oh, there you go.
1: Well, big thanks to the Rugby Rant um, for joining us last week, too. Um, but, yeah, Dan, you're just stuck with uh, me and Stu. Um, I don't know. Dude, guys, yeah, it's the uh, last long weekend of the summer. So, I mean, I don't know. Did you make uh, Did you make good use of it here? Or?
2: Well, I'm actually uh, spent this weekend celebrating my 30th birthday, which is tomorrow. Oh, so very well. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Um, obviously – in not the original style, I wanted to celebrate my thirtieth birthday, but I think uh, for anyone who has had a big birthday in twenty twenty, uh, this year doesn't count. Next year, it'll be
1: the same age plus one. I feel so. Uh, so, anyway. so, what what would be your like no COVID the ideal way to celebrate your thirtieth birthday?
2: Uh, you know, wake wake up, uh, turn on uh, the TV watch a rugby match in the UK at 9am. You still could have done that. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the rest of Europe, the rest of Europe, I mean, as it, and by that, I mean Wales and, you know, then maybe, you know, pop along to Lamport stadium and see if there's a game on there. Um, you know, and then just have like a good afternoon with friends doing that classic rugby tradition drinking. Um, now i'm not sure what happens after that and then wake up in my bed uh, the next morning you know standard rugby
1: fair well i mean you still could have done part of that like you could have at least done the watching rugby and drinking you just might have had to do it in your house by yourself yeah but then i have a problem and you know oh.
2: i just hope a whole other can of worms <laughs> anyway daniel what have you been up to
0: Oh, I was freezing my arse off uh, north of 7. We went up to my parents' uh, trailer, campground, cottage set up for the last time of the summer. And it was uh, lovely. Dad and I went for a round of golf and we played some bocce ball. We had a fire and it was just a grand old time. But uh, back to reality, you know, school's... Are kind of starting up again, so that means I'm back to work. So that'll be a whole interesting experience coming up soon. Yeah, good good luck, good luck, man. Enjoy luck. enjoy the schools. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a gong show, but uh, you know we're all in this together, like they say in High School Musical. <laughs> but uh, let, let's get started, gentlemen. And you know what? Rumors have been flying. And uh, Mr. Paul Tate has been uh, keeping all of us busy with uh, some of the things that he's been dropping here and there. Um, and the latest thing is a uh, another star Puma uh, is possibly joining MLR. And not just MLR, but could be joining a strong contingent of Argentinians north of the border. Like I guess there's just something like Toronto just must have the right type of food or music or... Or, or something that, that's drawing all these Argentinians north of the border. But uh, uh, Joaquin Tuchelet, uh, you know, who has been capped by the the Pumas, he's played in their U-20s program. He's played for their sevens program. He was the starting fullback of the uh, 2015 World Cup. Has uh, ended his contract with uh, Los Aguares. Um What does this mean for the Arrows, guys? Because this is a... We're starting to run out of room for, for players in, in in the backfield. So w- what is this going to look like? Well, I think you kind of touched on it there. Um,
1: there's like really not a whole lot of room for, um, you know, additional outside backs. Um, Tuchelet is an unreal player. He's got 56 um, test caps for Las Pumas. He's got 18 tries in those um, games as well. He's played at World Cups. He's played in. Basically, every major professional league that you would care about premiership, top 14, pro 14, super rugby. Um, but um, he's not coming to the arrows. Um, I, yeah, it's um, it sounds like at some point the arrows were definitely negotiating with him. Um, but yeah, I think like ultimately though, it's just. Like, when I, when I first, like, even heard the rumor, my initial thought was kind of like, why, like, why would you necessarily need that? But, like, you know, especially, like, kind of looking at the f- guys that can play fullback on the arrows, right, Mirez, Gonzalez, Windsor, um, possibly, you know, maybe Parfrey um, will be part of a future announce uh, signing announcement too, um, Parfrey's up there, like I just don't see the need for another fullback, um, especially a guy that might come with a bit of a price tag attached to him, too. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's so- it sounds like there's a couple other MLR teams that are vying for his services that maybe have a little bit more salary cap space or are able to afford right. it a bit more. And um, or even maybe maybe he ends up going to uh, Europe or something, too. But um, I think I think at one point like the arrows were at the very least talking to him. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's actually going to happen or I, ha- I don't really have any reason to believe that it is going to happen.
0: So Stu, my question to you then is with a guy who has won 56 caps for Argentina in a you know seven year span, what is any MLR team going to get? You know, what, what does a 15 like that do for your squad?
2: Well, there's obviously the experience side that you can bring up. Like, I remember watching a highlights package of him scoring a fantastic two tries against England now maybe it's just the Welshman in me that's enjoyed it so much but you know it's one of the, these cases of the complete package that a fullback needs need to have you know like kick and chase capabilities and especially in against players in a league such as MLR you know maybe that's a skill set that can tip the scales and can take a team that's you know on the cusp of making the playoffs into hosting the conference finals you know things along those lines however i think the major thing is that the word of mouth of mlr has reached more and more south american players because even though paul tate said that the falcons or tigers are also interested in him he did say that the first team that no, was rumored was the Arrows, as well as other MLR teams. Um, however, I would say that if the Falcons or the Tigers are genuinely interested, then that, they're going to be the ones who are going to win because the money will just win out. And this is a player that can definitely tip the scale and say, yeah, you know, over 50 caps, maybe I'm worth a bit more than uh, what the current MLR salary cap provides.
0: So it will be interesting to see where he uh, ends up lying um, you know something 's to be said about a fletching's you know league like mlR so it 'll be interesting that 's for sure now, another bit of news was dropped in the last few days that ended some rumors um, mlR and in with conjunction with Can uh, uh, Hawaii has announced that they 're going to have to wait until at least two thousand twenty two which seems so far off, um, but they're going to have to wait until they uh, can join MLR. Um, now, guys, where did things stall or break down in the discussions with this? I mean, I don't know. We don't know a whole lot, um, but has there been any sign of what's been going on or what was done in the background that kind of made things stop for uh, for Hawaii? Well, I'm not too
1: sure what necessarily would have made things stop, but like the big thing is, is that in order to have an expansion team in any professional sports league, you need money. And it sounds like that 90 day window was more or less to make sure you like Hawaii had the money. And, you know, the group behind the kanaloa Hawaii bid had the money to, you know, play in 2021 and play, you know, 2022 and so on and so forth. Um, so it sounds like they just couldn't get the money necessarily together by the time that deadline hit. Um, however, um, like the announcement that Hawaii dropped after the M.L.R. said that they wouldn't be participating in twenty twenty one is really like the first sign of like, I, I, I guess like I don't I don't really like that they weren't getting along or that the negotiations weren't actually going very well. Cause this was like, you know, like there, there is probably a bridge that has been burnt after, um, after what they posted on their own Facebook page. And I'm not sure like, I'm not sure why they posted it. This, you know, saying things like that, um, you know, they have a high level range of high level of concern um, for you know, the financial viability of the league, lack of, like, a COVID plan, schedules, things like that. And, um, yeah, like, I'm just not sure why you would want to, like... You know, I feel like if you went for a job interview and it was like your dream job and you got through like the first couple phases of the interview and then on the last phase, they told you no. I feel like your best, your best move is to not like blast the company and complain about the interview process. Um, it's better to just be like, thank you for the opportunity. And, you know, if something else opens up, I'll try again because that's kind of what the MLR did. They were like, hey, you can't get in for 2021, but, you know, if you can get it together 2022, like we'll be here waiting for you. And, or at least that's kind of, or at least taking that neutral stance on their announcement, but then they just kind of like threw that back. And I think, I think the clear sign that Hawaii screwed up with that statement is that they edited it about two and a half, three hours later before deleting it entirely. Um, so that seems like that post seems like a very emotional reaction Um or, you know, just something that wasn't thought out completely through. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe they were thinking, you know, if we post this up, maybe the MLR fans will be behind us and we'll support it. Whereas, you know, when the reality, it just looked like you were, you know, taking shots at the MLR for, you know, being upset that they didn't admit you into the
0: league. Now, do you feel the same way, too? Because I certainly have an opinion about this. Uh, but I want to hear what you say first, Steve. First, that's
1: that's, that's, that's yeah, not good yeah, when seen, Dan's. <laughs> yeah, also, that's not good when Dan's like, I have an opinion on something. And then he's like, but he wants to make sure everyone else gets heard first. So, oh boy, buckle um, so, up. <laughs> so, I
2: will admit that I was foolishly optimistic about Hawaii joining for 2021. But at the same time, have you seen 2020? Can't we just have some positive news for once? <laughs> um, I think the major crack formed was um, as soon as Senator Mackay publicly expressed his concerns and then refuted all of Cam Kilgau's earlier statements against the team, uh, now, obviously, we discussed this previously, and said that things like oh, the University of Hawaii uh, refused them practice facilities, but that was more to do with COVID than being the team. But they, the whole situation then was everything Kilgau had said had at the time seemed like it had been set in stone. Everything was already planned out, and you know they were just working on the like time. Any legal bits, they couldn't like officially say something, but it was also an open secret. And obviously the reality now is that it's not true. And, or if it was, it's now a moot point. Um, After reading both of those Facebook posts, um, I think there's three things that will need to come from it. One, Kanaloa Hawaii need to hire a PR manager because... (laughs) This was it was it was childish. Is how to yeah. describe it. Yeah, it was I, unprofessional. And if and if I was to be negative and say that people, or other people are saying that it was the test run for a Super Rugby team in New Zealand, I would consider it a failure because why would Super Rugby grant them a license? When they can't even get a project together for a team that is on equal footing at say a mitre 10 club it's it's one of those concerns that they will bring up and say well why would we invite you into one of the biggest rugby competitions in the world if you can't even fulfill these possibly smaller requirements i will admit i don't know what the requirements are to create a Super Rugby team, but moot point. Um, now, saying this, I don't think this is the end of any possibility of a Hawaiian MLR team. For now, I, I also, because of the post. And the reaction, I don't think there's going to be one in 2022 either. Um, maybe, but, maybe a
1: different ownership group.
2: Yeah, that's that's the point. I, was I, making. I don't. I, yeah, I don't think unless the Atigas come out and publicly apologise and apologise to the board of MLR, and even then, I don't think they would be allowed to yeah.
1: join the league at this point.
2: Like well, I you think they have burnt a bridge.
0: Yeah. So, I, uh,
1: I, okay so before, before you to... go on to your your crazy nonsense theory then um yeah no i just i just think like Stu, i think you you kind of hit the nail on the head there it's like even if you know even if as an organization you were super upset with major league rugby say the way the process went out maybe you did want them to you know kind of you know show more of their cards to you as you were trying to apply to be a part of their league but it's like like a Facebook post is not the place to air that grievance, you know, that's kind of like, that is a, that's a converse. I think, I just feel like, you know, I'm sure like the teams have like, you know, some, some business, business dealing stuff. Like you can, that maybe other teams disagree with. I mean, you can kind of see, like, even, you know, the Giltini's name um, has obviously been a point of contention this year. But it's like – it's not like you've really seen, like, any of the other owners come out and, like, outright, like, bash the name either, (laughs) right? Like, it's just – yeah, like, they're just kind of, like, it sits there. Um, Some guys have maybe – Maybe no, there's, I like, some of those, been... like, low-key comments on, like, they don't like it or maybe kind of making fun of yeah. it. But no one's been, like, outright, like, bashing the
2: name. Um, yeah, everyone's been diplomatic.
1: Yeah, exactly. There might be a cheeky and, comment yeah. here or there, but it's nothing that you can't, like, but nothing that, you know, makes it seem like there's, like, a rift between the league or anything. And I think that's, like, no. kind of how you would go about it. And I think, yeah, like, just being, like having cannibal and it's like, you're still trying to get into MLR. They didn't say you can't ever. They just said like not for 2021 and like you kind of turn around and just put out this letter to the public that's, and apparently I guess the other thing too is apparently there was like a longer email version of that, that was sent to the like all the teams in the league as well, which had more of like the same kind of language, the same attitude into it of just kind of like, you know, ripping apart the MLR, which, it's just like this just like, yeah. like I'm not like a like at the like a CEO of a company or anything, but that just seems like a bad idea. Like Yeah. It, I mean,
2: if you look at the MLR's official statement or the one they put out to the public, it's only a couple of sentences that says that the ninety day period has elapsed and That's uh, all the that's yeah. all the MLR needed to say though. Yeah. That's and then it. but all all Kanaloa needed to say was um, just Same play, thing. Like, yeah, our original intention was to join in 22. Uh, yeah. With The Raptors leave, leaving, we were hoping we could join for 21 instead. Unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond our control, that's not possible. We thank the league for the opportunity and we hope to work with them in the future. Now, any grievances they have, keep it to themselves or keep it behind closed doors.
0: See, I, I disagree with that, so...
1: I all God. right. Okay. All yeah. right. Oh <laughs> my God. All right. Well, okay. so here,
0: here, all right. Yeah. Hopefully our fine listeners do not turn this off in the next five minutes. I want to go on record and say, I agree with you gentlemen, that the, the Facebook posts definitely had a more negative tone and that they should have been approaching approaches in a more positive way. However, I don't see with what they said. I don't think what they said was wrong. They voiced their concerns about how the league is 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 attacking COVID nineteen, and if if it's true, and again, the, a lot of this is if if the, it's true, you know, my 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 logic is built on a house of cards. You know, if Kamala Loa is line out their their rear end, then whatever, take it take it what, for what that's, it is. What's
1: the other thing too, right? Is like we already have like the senator being like, yeah, nothing that they've said is true. But here's the thing: is it's not a lot to,
0: we have Sorry talked. Yeah, you have, you did. I, I, we have talked about on this podcast about the league's inability to be transparent on 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 a lot of things. Yeah, you know, we've talked about about statistics. We've talked about you know the process for changing stadiums during the Las Vegas. We've talked we we talked about their their issues with transparency. So when a team that's trying to join the league is talking about issues with transparency about something that. Many sports leagues have released their information about what their plan is, what their schedules are going to look like, what what will happen if COVID ruins the season. I would want that information if I'm trying to join this league. Like that that should be like number one, I need a detailed list. They've been they haven't played rugby since March? Yeah. Yeah, March. Yeah, March. And for a new franchise to say, I don't feel comfortable with this. Now of course there's there's there might be other reasons too, right? Money might be a problem for the team, you know, a, a backer might have backed out or you know, stadium venue shit, you know. We don't know. We don't know any of that. What we know is what we saw in this release on Facebook. And from what I'm reading, and I don't know, maybe I didn't get my MLR tattoo, on my back, like you two gentlemen have, but I'm being skeptical about it. I'm saying that I don't know if I completely trust MLR during this COVID, you know, pandemic, you know, they they haven't released zero information about what their plan is. If the, 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 the pandemic doesn't get any better, which spoiler alert, it's not getting any better in the States and it's starting to get worse in Canada. But that being said, we have talked about MLR's transparency on this podcast previously and in past episodes. Um, we've talked about how we don't know anything about their foreign player slots and the salary cap. None there's no transparency whatsoever. When they, when they moved venues, there was confusion about that uh, during the Las Vegas weekend there, there there's been many things that kind of popped up on the radar about transparency with this league. And when I see a new team that, Obviously, has invested a good, a little bit amount of money into trying to make this team happen. Come out and say, we don't feel comfortable with their COVID preparation, which they've had since till March. So you know, unless Kenaloa Hawaii is lying, which you know could be very, very true. I mean the, yeah,
1: like like I said previously, though, like the the, uh, the senator kind of came out and was like a bunch of stuff that they've said isn't true to start with. Right.
0: Yes. So, you know, but we're only going based on what they've said. Right. So going off of that, I would, I completely understand where they're coming from in terms of being worried about this, because if you look at where North America is going in terms of COVID, it's, it's not ending. So for them to say, for MLR to say with, you know, out any hesitation, February, we're starting it up. And you know, not to give a team any confidence in saying this is our backup plan. This is what's going to happen if this happens. You know, um, are, are we going to do a bubble? Are we not going to do a bubble? So obviously, the Hawaii team does not feel comfortable with the situation, and I don't blame them. And I think that they need to get that voice out there because if I want to join in 2022, I want to see that this team, this this league, has made progression in terms of their planning and their and preparing for things like this because 2022 is not a guarantee that there still COVID still won't be a problem. So I think that by getting it out there and again, wasn't handled properly. I think my, my, my wife who runs social media, if I showed her that would cringe at it, but I understand why they did it. I understand why they're frustrated. And I think that the league needs to look at this and say, okay, maybe we do need to, take this more seriously or maybe you know my logic is on on a house of cards it could fall very easily if turns out mlr had a 50 page document saying COVID plans 2021 yeah. and mlr or, and uh, Kenalo, hawaii was just like not good enough you know i i could i could be very off but yeah going off of what absolutely. we know that's that's where i'm standing right now i feel like I, I, I think I get what you're saying.
1: It's like, yeah, like maybe, you know, yeah, you're coming, we're coming out of a global pandemic, like the financial stability of the league and, you know, what to do going forward, depending on how it shapes out, should be a concern. But I don't think that's why Hawaii did that. Like, I don't think they were trying to be like, I think they're just pissed that they didn't get into the league, to be honest with you. um, You have Martin Pen, uh, martin Penjeli from the guardian in um, his story on on hawaii not getting in he said kenaloa did not meet a deadline for payment to mlr and instead submitted a note of protest about the admissions process so to me it just kind of seems like hey like we're, we were upset with the way that this went down but it was like you missed your deadline it kind of seems like they missed the financial deadline and are trying to blame the
0: MLR for missing the financial or deadline. they withheld the money until they were given proper information about how the league was going to be run next year. Right. That could have, that could be an option, a viable option just as much as to say, why are we going to give this league money if they're not going to give us all the information about how a sports league and a pandemic is going to happen. And also you got to think, you know what though, if Maybe. I'm if, sorry, sorry, Derek, I just want to see this quickly. If, right. if I'm, if I'm a, team that's living on a island that hasn't had a large spike in COVID cases, I want to make sure that they've got a proper health and safety program set, so when I send my staff and my players over, they're not going to be bringing back God knows what, you know, more more of the virus to Hawaii, because that would just wreck the island if, if there was a spike in cases. So you got to think about that as well. I mean, yeah,
1: no, I still don't see it. I think it's I think also like if you're the MLR, you got, you were like, Hey, you have this 90 days to get your money or whatever. And it's like, maybe on day 91, they were like, Hey, welcome to the league. Here's everything you need to know. But they didn't get the money. So like, right. Like if that's the thing, why, why would you, why would you divulge all this? Like, like confidential league wide, like, like, you know,
0: pay like financial Sa- information make them to sign, somebody make that's them, not in the league. Make them sign a, w- a, f- a waiver saying that they're legally not allowed to. And if they do, they, they can be heavily sued.
1: Yeah. And do you think that would stop this team that just put out a like five paragraph rant?
0: Yeah. And then uh, MLR gets to make some, some money. MLR hasn't made any money except off of merch. Make some money off of these guys. Sue them. They have two. Ex-
1: Two expansion fees coming up this year. LA, sure. LA 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 and Dallas. It was two expansions. If we fees.
0: ever find anything out about LA
1: my goodness! Well, I mean, hey, they're going to be in the league. It's just they're being they're being very quiet. But
0: very quiet. Um, which is Caneloa, that's no. la.
2: That's what they'll be called. Canaloa yeah. la. They'll
0: <laughs> split time between the two places. Oh. Well, guys, uh, if you think that this is the most heated I'm going to get tonight, uh, you're very much wrong because we still have uh, much to talk about, especially uh, near the end of the podcast. But we're going to move on because if you're interested, just because, just because you don't want me to be right about stuff and be like, you're no, right. you're not right. You're just you have an opinion, and that's fine. You're allowed to have your opinion. Derek. And still you're a darling angel and everything you say is right. But Yes, correct. Eddie
1: Jones. If, if they thought they were right, you don't delete the post. Uh-huh. If they have a point, anyway. you don't delete the post. Anyway. That's all I'm saying. If they think they're if you think they if they think they're right, if they think they're in the right, they don't delete the post. Just because they're pissed off doesn't mean they're not. Yeah, but right. if you were pissed off and you made a statement that you were like is unabashedly true. Then you would leave up that statement. If you're like, there's so much truth behind this, that everybody needs to know you need to do it. But if you're just pissed and said something you shouldn't have said, you take it down, right? So
0: maybe Cam Gilgore's you're... mom saw that and said that that wasn't very nice and made him take it down, like my mom used to do in face when I was in high school. Well, then Cam Gilgore's mom needs to work PR for that team. Right? Ooh, that's a good idea. Okay. Eddie Jones, head coach of. England's national men's team has joined San Diego on a minor role in their coaching staff. Stu, as our official European consults to the podcast, what can a coach like Jones bring to the league Legion? You know, he's, he's got six nations experience, world cup final experience, you know, helped coach Japan, helped coach Australia. The guys just got, experience up the wazoo what what is he going to bring to a team like the legion
2: well i think what this um consultancy role will be for the time being is probably going to be a zoom meeting on a weekly basis if that obviously if um eddie jones can't come to uh, the united states um like you said he does have tons of international experience super rugby premiership um of course, the Brighton Miracle. He was the coach for Japan in that amazing game. Um, and he has over 25 years of coaching experience. And he should be well-suited for uh, San Diego Legion, seeing as neither party has won the top prize. Hey! That was a bad joke, but it's a Welsh in me,
1: that was the just, yeah. in me. How many World Cups does Wales have?
2: How many World Cups does Canada have?
1: The same number as
0: Wales.
2: True, it's playing in red. That's, that's <laughs> yeah,
0: the crux. There you go. It's gonna hide my you jersey from now. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's yeah. How, Can we just? Rip how many
2: semi have Ireland
1: been to? They're working I mean, on it. Okay. You know what? they working on it. have uh, been to the. Have you seen Jacob Stockdale lately? He's bald. You know what, Stu? Did you know? That Canada oh, has won God. just as many World uh, Cup semifinals uh, as Ireland has played yeah, in just as many World yeah. Cup finals as Ireland. Should I say, basically
2: the same team at this point? Uh, yeah, basically
0: exactly. the well, same just, level um, of same number of success, anyways. For Canada East, it's starting fly half. I'm picking Johnny Sexton.
2: Well, I will say Wales and Canada. Uh, I guess that that's many, very
1: far east in Canada. Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> I will say that. Um uh, Canada and Wales do have as many uh Rugby World Cup wins as Eddie Jones does as head coach. Not assistant,
0: Ooh.
2: but as head coach. now, now that comes at
1: That was a tangent. But yeah, was just we, like, we, I we, need to be, I need to make my turned it's, it's off a horrible joke. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's oh, horrible
2: man. when it's true. Anyway. Hello to all
1: our San Diego Legion fans. Now, the Legion, the Legion are great. The Legion are great. Um, But yeah, like, I think, I think this will be a big move um, for for the Legion too. Like, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, no matter how often he's actually there, how many Zoom calls he makes, it's like the coaching staff for the San Diego Legion is going to benefit immensely from it. Um, Like, you know, it's just, That is to have that guy have like the information to share info on tactics on, you you know, on just like the way, like philosophy, the way to go about coaching the game that'll benefit their, everybody in their coaching staff from the head coach all the way down to like the strength and conditioning guys, I'm sure will benefit greatly from that. The players are probably also benefit greatly from that, but I think, you know, he has a similar role with the uh, Suntory Sun Goliath in um, Japan and You know, what he does for that is he visits them three weeks out of a year. Maybe that gets altered. Like, I mean, you know, hypothetically talking about a non-COVID-filled year here. Um, Maybe that gets altered a little bit with San Diego. Maybe it's like two and two to each of them or a week and a half at each or whatever. Um, But then like his big thing with that team too is he also assists in recruitment. Um, So if a guy like Eddie Jones is able to like help your team, like recruit players. Like San Diego's already ended up with Rob Shaw, Nanu, like on their team, they have some like big name Eagles like Augsburger on their team too. Um, You know, they're in San Diego, which is like, you know, one of, if you talk to the players, it's one of the absolute best road cities in the league. So, I mean, if guys like, it's a place guys want to go live, go spend time. So, I mean, they've already attracted some big names to join that team. Um And, you know, if you have Eddie Jones now, that's going to actually be able to help you out, do some recruitment. Like I want to like would any of us be surprised if we see more guys like Rob Shaw, you know, from the England team or, you know, maybe even from Japan or, you know, uh, where else is he coached? South Africa, Australia. Like, you know, if he has a lot of those connections and stuff and he knows a lot of players um, at the highest level of rugby around the world. So if he's able to, you know, get a couple of those guys to go over and put on a a Legion red Jersey, then like that's going to be worth its weight in gold, you know?
0: Now this was a, a big discussion on uh, the MLR subreddit um, Should MLR coaching staff be part of the salary cap? because no. I saw there were some people complaining about this about you know why is a team that's already probably close to the cap able to sign uh, or hire a guy like like you know Jones.
1: Well, I think that kind of goes back to your transparency thing. One, we have no idea where they are in the salary cap. Players' salaries aren't public. So that's kind of like the first thing that I kind of think of whenever people complain about the salary cap is just like, like that's cool that you think that they're over it or you think that they're nowhere near it, but show me the evidence that they're over it. Um because right now, yeah, we have no like we don't know what San Diego is. Plus, you know, we also know that you can trade salary cap space, so there could be a little bit more to play with in San Diego, right? Um, and there could be a little bit more or less to play with on any team throughout the league, right? Um, and like even I guess what was it like? There was that trade at the draft between New York and Dallas where they said they traded salary cap money, and it was like they didn't specify the dollar value right with that so it's like we don't know if that could have been maybe that was 20 grand maybe that was 500 dollars. i don't know right like it's so um so it's kind of tough for that but i think like in general no you shouldn't like the salary cap should be for the players the players have like i think that's i think if you didn't put a salary cap on the players. What we've kind of seen in other leagues is that, you know, you get some owners or you get some GMs that are just start throwing the money around and it becomes like a financial problem for the team. Um, But yeah, you should be able to like, if you have, I think if you have the, like in every other sport league, like the big four sport leagues, the coaches don't count to the salary cap, right? Like I know, like we were obviously in Toronto, big story a couple of years ago, Mike Babcock got $50 million. Like he had like his contract that does not like that was literally MLSE being like, and the Maple Leafs being like, we have more money than every other team in the league. So we're going to throw an amount of money at a really high profile coach that everybody wants in order to get him. Right. So it's like, you can like kind of flex that financial muscle a little bit if you have it. But I think, I think you have to keep it on the players though, just because I think like maybe you like one, we don't know how much Eddie Jones is actually being paid for this. Um, Nobody. no one knows. So like whatever that dollar value is, but like, I just think, like, I just think like, yeah, if you're willing, if, if you're willing to put some money into hiring a consultant, but like another team isn't then like, so be it. Like you have your resources on each team, each team's different, right? If you want, if you want more money to go hire some coaches, sell more tickets, sell more sponsorships like, you know, increase your, you know, increase the, the revenue that's coming into your team. Right. Um, you know, San Diego ha- you know has a high attendance. They have, you know, they have like a BMW logo on their arm when they play too. Right. Like, so go, go after that stuff, go out, find a way to make more money so you can make these decisions, but keep it to the players. Cause then you, you end up with some bad, bad situations when you kind of let, um, teams sort of pay anything to the players just because ownership or the GMs will, may end up going nuts as we've seen in some other leagues or some other teams.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I think, I think it does come down to, as uh, Derek mentioned, of having uh, more transparency with the league. And, you know, obviously finances, anyone yeah. will say it's a very uh, private matter. But when it comes to things like yeah, like getting an international head coach from a tier one nation
1: to. He's a consultant. Consultant. consultant yeah. Like, what is. Like, so they didn't even spell like the one. San Diego, I don't think, has even officially announced this. We're just going off of a couple of news things, right? And.
2: One, one of them's the BBC.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. Like, legit news sources, but San Diego hasn't even officially. So, like, we don't even have, like, a really a job description beyond he's a consultant. Yeah. Right. So.
2: And one of the other things could then be that this is a way to skirt around the system for say player coaches, because then you can say, Oh yeah, I'll play him as a coach, say a million dollars a season, but for playing, he's only a uh, pay per appearance.
1: I don't, I don't think Eddie Jones is going to play for the Legion though, but
2: I know i say yeah. in the sense of any of the
1: current, yeah. well, I, say, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's, um, you know, I think you look at those, like the Reddit boards and stuff, and it's like the fans, you know, are complaining about it, right? And being like, how does this fit under the cap? Or does, you know, how is this allowed by like the rules? And yeah, it's like, well, like how, why, why couldn't like, you know, like Chris Robshaw signs, like well, there's, I have no reason to believe that he can't fit under the cap because I don't know, like we don't know the dollar value for the cap. Or like we know how much is on the capital, we don't know what the space that San Diego has, right um yeah, and I mean, you know there is you know maybe there is maybe there is ways and stuff like the rules like that's what I think like we talked about it before, I think the MLR would do well to just be like, here's this like if you don't even want to release the numbers or the names attached to the numbers, then like just release the um like release the rules.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah Cause release he, the rules, or even just give us each team's where they're at towards the salary cap and how they got Kinda like there. a number. Yeah, like just say, like, like, just say, like, like there. This is what San Diego's at. These are the transactions yeah. outside of player names that they made to get yeah. to that point. Like, like how they traded for more salary cap space. You know that yeah. they don't have to name names, so that way you know people. If the fun they're one thing the though players, is like if, when
1: you start when you start putting out like the public, make the numbers public. I'm like, if we sit down, we'll be like. Uh, it's going to be this guy should be the highest paid player this guy should be less yeah if it, if whatever, it says like right.
2: player contracts like yeah. 20,000 and the next player contract is 2,000 you're like well yeah. I wonder which one is wrong yeah
1: school. so man, but, Mananu's not on 2,000 yeah. Um
2: well, but something to consider is that earlier this year um and by year I mean uh, season we had one of the biggest um rugby stories being a violation of salary cap and yeah Saracens. And when those accusations came out, um, the premiership had to publish and say which laws and rules that they had violated to warrant a point deduction. And they came out with each law, each subsection of the law, each paragraph that that includes. And these are publicly available documents in the sense of you have to go on the website and find them as opposed to you know, they sell them in the gift shop for five bucks a pop. I would but,
1: buy one. I would buy one.
2: But, but I your think ship this is,
1: salary cap rule book, I would buy one.
2: But I think this is something that MLR will need to do, hopefully the sooner the better in the sense of these are the laws of the game in MLR. This is why we have the 20-minute uh, hydration break. And sorry, Uh, The hydration break every 20 minutes, not a 20-minute long hydration break. Um, Because then it's being open and it's being honest. And that's how the game was declared, as an open game. And they need to be open about this.
1: It does. I think, too, like, the Saracens, like, the premiership kind of ran into that because their salary by a player-by-player basis is still, like, it's not a publicly available thing, too, right? Whereas, like, I think if, if you look at, like... And I mean, maybe, you know, it's one of those things that it's like the league has to grow more so people can get the resources and the time to put together these things. Um, And that's fine. But it's like, I think one of the fun things, like if you kind of look at the NHL, um, and I'm going to use the NHL as an example, just because it's the league I know the most about. And we're in Canada. Yeah. And we're in Canada. So we're contractually obligated if we mention other sports for it to be (laughs) be hockey um but like you know you they, there's multiple websites that you can go to out there like yeah. general fanager F- uh, no, fans will do it friendly um that have like all the team salary cap but it, information which is a really funny thing because it's like you see like every every I feel like every year around like march you start seeing like things on twitter creep up being like you know, oh no, if Austin Matthews gets 50 goals and it triggers a bonus and puts the Leafs in a kit like over and yeah. fans are like, do we want him to score 50 or do we yeah. want him to not? Right. And it's like, you know, guys are being like, um, you know, fans being like, do we vote this guy to the all-star game? Because that could screw up our cap situation or whatever. Right. I, I think it's all I th- available. So, but I, th-
0: I think MLR needs to make the decision on whether, how far into the American sports world they want to, tiptoe in and this is something that again something that we've talked about on this podcast is if they want to differentiate themselves from other rugby leagues they need to be like american leagues and say here are our stats readily available and here are our salaries readily available i
1: I was was just gonna say just going on that just because it seems like it's somewhat similar i feel like this is a wild tangent from talking about eddie jones joining san diego but um it's... But I think uh, George Killabrew did an interview on Alex Megaly's, so the owner of the New England Free Jacks on his uh, his full contact CEO. And he mentioned one of the things that... Like, Killabrew mentioned one of the things that he was interested in doing or was trying to talk teams into was putting last names on jerseys. And, you know, it's like... The, yeah, see, Stu doing that face right there. Stu's doing that premiership face. Like, t- premiership
0: dude, teams do it. Pre- premiership
1: yeah, teams I, do I, it. And I don't
0: like, like it. But, I know. But, that's the thing. I know you don't like it, but, like... It's but a, how cool is it to say that like your family member yeah. or someone that you grew up watching and you could buy a jersey that says Rumball on the back? Or yeah. you can see your family member and say, That is my that is my family member. They're wearing my family's name on that back. It's yeah. it's it's something that I think that rugby you know, just it, needs it, it, to bite the bullet and do it.
1: Yeah, like it's not even so much. It's like like you know, we still have and like yeah, and it's like I don't know. Like I think it's something that you know, die diehard rugby fans are awesome, and you know, diehard rugby fa- no, diehard rugby fans are awesome, and they're the way. And like, they're like you know, the reason that this podcast even like has an audience and everything yes. too. But it's like if you want like rugby to be like a successful sport, you want major league rugby to continue to grow, then I think like you kind of have to lean. Now you're gonna have to lean a little bit into maybe. You know, doing some of those, like, more like, I guess, quote unquote, like, North Americanized things, right? Like, maybe put some names on the backs um, as a way to just sell merchandise. Like, you look at, like, San the free Diego? Jacks,
0: yeah, look, free look at what Jacks, the Free Jacks yeah. is doing. Wait, sorry, sorry, uh, Derek. But no, like, no, I was going to bring up something somewhat
1: related, but yeah, the Free Jacks. Okay. I know look what at, at what the Free Jacks,
0: Jacks are doing. They're selling merch with names on the back. Names on the so, back, when yeah. I, if Derek goes and he buys himself a, a, you know, Dougie Fife jersey or, or, literally anybody else that's been signed by the Free Jacks and he's walking yeah. around downtown Oshawa yeah. and he's got Fife on the back and someone says oh who's Fife and then Derek can explain if if New York wants to sell Ben Foden as a star in this league or if, if San Diego wants to sell Rob Shaw they want to put his name on the back of a jersey so when they're walking around downtown San Diego and someone sees that shirt they say who's Rob Shaw what, what is that about what, what's who's Rob Shaw oh. that person can turn around and say Chris Robshaw, he's actually plays for the Legion now. He's this England the star Legion. that's coming over to play and and get the Legion conversation. Did sell
1: non like player t player t shirts? Yeah, like yeah. So well, that's we just. I mean, that's kind of what the free when we're a is small t-shirt league t-shirts. that
0: that needs to get their message out to to new fans. Merch and jerseys are so important because you see that. Look how much like Raptors jerseys has just. Become part of people's wardrobe over the it's past a years. The fashion thing, now the yeah. fashion. We need to we need to embrace part of that in North America. I think though, like the key thing though, we're just beating up on Stu. We're just no attacking no, no. him with. I'm our, just gonna say our, though, our North the key American. thing
1: though, like if you don't, if you do the last names though, it's got it has to look way better than what the Gilgronies did last year. They can't be falling off during no, the. No, yeah, they gotta be. Yeah, he can't be falling like they have to be. And I know and you know, one of the great rugby traditions in my mind, and this never changed this. The players have to wear the number associated with the position that they play. 1 through 15, and then 16. So never change that. If we tweak anything, I mean, Sevens has last names on the back of the jersey too. I kind of forgot about that. Um, But like, you can't like tweak that, but it's like like, I don't know, maybe that's some extra money because you have to buy like four different jerseys that have like four different seven jerseys just depending on what the lineup actually ends up looking like. But yeah, like if that's the thing, it's like I would rather not have last names than what Austin did. But if you can make it look good, then I think it could be something to look into. Um, Stu, tell me why you hated, you muted us and hated absolutely everything <laughs> about what we just said in the last five minutes.
2: Well... Okay. Me being a, going down the traditionalist route here. Yes. The reason why you shouldn't have a name on the back of the shirt is because it propels the name instead of the team In the idea that Mm -hmm. no one is above the team. The reality is, is that when you're doing the amateur game and you can only afford 15 jerseys, (laughs) it's like, Hey, you're going to fit into a medium. Even if you're an XL, here you go. Um, I can see it from like a sales point of view. Like if you had, um, if they had sold, you know, like Dan Moore T-shirts for the arrows, I would have bagged like at least five. Yeah. And at the same, but at the same time, it's very early in the league's um, existence to be having legacy players. I believe, like I. Maybe it will be Make something some. to say like the fifth season or going onwards. You can say, okay, now we've been around for, some teams have been around for five years. Now we have like legacy players. So no. it would be Make Ben Foden who, re- who would have by this point retired. It would have been uh, Chris Robshaw and Ma Nonu. Uh, at the moment,
1: mm, I'm What's not, the thing? I think. I mean, you gotta, you gotta make those players though. Like that's where you gotta gotta go. Yeah, you rugby. gotta, you gotta. And I know, to- and I know. I kind of, I think I kind of see what you're saying. When it's like, you know, rugby is obviously a very team game. Um, but um, you know, if you have, you know, players' names on the backs of their jerseys and stuff, right? It's like, I don't think it's necessarily it takes away the individualness from it, but it makes like. I think it makes some of the players just like you can kind of go in a little bit more marketable, like in a way too. Right. Cause it's like, if you're, if you have a new fan watching the game on TV, doesn't have a lineup in front of them and it's like, wow, I really like that number seven guy. Who is that? And it's like, you kind of look at the back and it's like, nothing's there. There's no indication, like nothing. You just kind of, and then it's like, then you have to spend your time kind of going and figuring yeah. it out. But like, that's well, what it's for, it's to case, identify guys, right? But the number think, is
2: usually bigger than any writing that's gonna be on
1: the back. Dude, yeah, exactly. Number seven. Yeah, but it's I think know, the sevens sevens
0: has got it right. Yeah, put names on the backs, man. I solid. think though they're just, I don't think the jerseys look any worse for having having you know, the names. Yeah, look at how Canada did it. I
1: think it's just cause I don't know, but you know what? I think though the thing that we're kinda of getting at here though is kind of like the difference, right, is it's like, you know, Stu's being like, never do it. We kind of were North America, like grow, growing up in Canada. We're more, you know, into, I guess, familiar with the North American style. But it's, you know what, though? Even at that, though, the Yankees still don't have – do the it. Backs. They still don't do it. Um, every other t- – like, I think every other team, I'm not 100%. Boston? Boston might not. Um, but most of the other teams in, ma- in uh, Major League Baseball all – have last nice names, but the Yankees don't. I feel like that doesn't hurt Yankees jersey sales at all. But um, but you know what it probably also ends up, though, too, in a weird way? You probably don't get people buying more than one Yankees jersey because your Yankees jersey is good forever, <laughs> right? So, yeah, but, Stu, you know what's bad about people not buying jerseys every couple of years? You make less money on it.
0: All right, gentlemen, we're going to move on because, uh, we could talk about jerseys all day. We're all, yeah. <laughs> we love them. Anyways, um, Eddie Jones to San Diego. Good move guys. <laughs> good move. Good
1: move. Yes. That's what that was. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to some fan questions and we've got a big one at the end. That's been talked about a lot, but, uh, we've got some questions from uh, the Canadian rugby subreddit and, and, uh, from our, our fit well, I posted on the, uh, arrows up Facebook page. And, uh, it's, uh, got a couple, uh, got a couple good questions. Um, but but the first one I wanted to ask you guys is from Song. Okay, you play rugby on the Canadian subreddit, and he said he wants us to describe who would be the best halfback pairing for the arrows and then for Canada. Ooh. So I'll go first, uh, just because oh, okay. I never get to go first.
1: Yeah. No, this is, you're usually the one asking the questions. That's why.
0: Yeah, um, I think for the arrows again, we've talked about it's going to be up in the air. We really don't know, especially with the addition of this new scrum half and uh, Higgins, and we don't really know what he's gonna, what level he's gonna be at. But I think for what we know, I think Andrew Ferguson and Taylor Adams is a is a combo that did well near the end of the season, and uh, you know, I'm going with that for Canada. Um, much more problems, right? We don't know what. I mean, the last, the most recent fly half. You know, uh, Peter Nelson, is he still going to play for Canada? You know, he that's going to be very interesting to see where his playing career takes him. I think we got to start giving Will Persilier some test caps and experience in playing. Um, you know, he's currently over in France. Uh, so, you know, COVID has kind of nipped that. But I'm going to go with Persilier and Nelson for the time being because... That's what I got. Yeah,
1: I think... Right, you know what, Stu? Go ahead. Go ahead, Stu. Thank
2: you. Um, I also have uh, Facilier for Canada as well, but instead I have uh, James Biss who is currently with Saracens as an academy player and you know they're moving into the championship. Maybe he can get more time with uh, Saracens that way and... You know, and also, as I've been saying constantly, we need to be focusing, or Canada needs to be focusing on who's going to be playing in the 23 World Cup, the 27 World Cup, and possibly even the 31 World Cup. You need to get the younger guys in. You need to bleed them in time for these big events. So, Persilie and Biss, uh, my Canada pick, I... I'm also going to agree with uh, Taylor Adams at fly half, but I'm going to go with Higgins for scrum half. I don't know. Maybe it's the European in me going for the guy born in Europe. Then again, I'm also going for a guy born in New Zealand as well. Um, But obviously I think giving Higgins more time at scrum half for the arrows will eventually lead him to being picked or more likely to be picked as scrum half for Canada so that's my reasoning.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I mean I, I think I'll, I'll hold off on any Jason Higgins hype until I see him over here. I um, but although I mean he does look good for a Cork con um, back in Ireland but I think for me I'm going to uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with Ferguson and Adams as well. I think Adams is like, I mean, realistically, it's a kind of... I think the scrum half is obviously between Ferguson and McKenzie. And then... Or maybe not obviously now, because Jason Higgins is in that mix. And then, um, you know, and then I think, yeah, fly half is really... I mean, it's Taylor Adams, depending on what you want to do with Juan Cruz Gonzalez and then Will Kelly. Um, so, I'm going with... So, like, I think Adams has the edge there. I think... You know, obviously it depends on what they kind of try to do with him. I think Gonzalez fits in as a 15 a little bit more just the way the squad is shaped up so far. Um, so yeah, I'll go with Ferguson and Kelly. Um, I think it worked out. I think it worked out really well. I think, I think because Ferguson's a little bit more offensive, um, than McKenzie that it kind of suits, um, um, excuse me, that suits Taylor Adams style a little bit better. So Ferguson and Adams that's, uh, I'm going with uh for my arrows pair. Um, and then Canada, Canada. Um, that's fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, Will Priscilla, uh, Gareth Reese, does he still play? Um, is he doing uh, anything lately? Bad um, knees, I think. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Um, fly half is definitely the position that we probably have to develop the most. Um, but you know what, for, for now, um, I think Peter Nelson, what kind of came in, like, I don't know. What did you guys think? Like, were you that impressed by him? Like, I think
0: he didn't get it merely. I I think that he came way too late to the party. Yeah. So no. That's a a no. All right. Yeah if it's yeah, no. here that's a no with an asterisk if he was given if if they were able to motivate him to come in for the repêchage and then you know a couple of you know the even the ARC before the World Cup if they were able to get yeah. him to play any of those games i think it might have been a different story but
1: yeah i mean maybe but the point is it's like yeah like by the next world cup it's not enough time i think i think right now kind of looking at canadian fly halves it's like it's Will Kelly's time now going into the next section of the international window. Um, you know, he's, he's got a kind of, you know, you know, that idea of the East West game was kind of thrown out there, which we'll dive into a little bit later. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's Will Kelly's time. He's got to prove that he can be the Canadian fly half. Cause um, like, yeah, we kind of have to see that or, I mean, you got to start digging through looking for some other guys that are maybe Canadian eligible, but, Born and playing elsewhere because, yeah, like there's really yeah, it's, there's really uh, it's, not a whole lot of options, man. It's been, it's been a fly half.
0: We need, you know, it's it's disappointing that you're not looking at your own uh, city of Oshawa, Ontario for any more fly halves there, Derek. But that's fine. That's just hmm. a little tease for later. Now, uh, we got another question on the Canadian subreddit, uh, Canadian rugby subreddit from uh, Ruckover Canada. If you were in charge of Rugby Canada, what rule changes would you implement? Now, this could be yeah. in, in terms what of the, the mean, governing man? of the body or in terms of what you're putting onto the pitch. Put last names on the back of jerseys. There you go. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, I think the, the real thing is consistency. I think we need to have much more consistency on who is playing, you know, game in, game out. And injuries play a big role in that. And, you know, fitness is going to play a big role in that. And I think with the the evolution of MLR, we're going to have more guys playing in professional... Uh, you know, uh, environments, uh, fitness and, um, recovery is going to be much more important. So we need to start getting guys in key positions, playing more, the 10, the nine, the 15, yeah. the eight, you know, Tyler Ardron is getting up there in age. We need to find an, uh, the next number eight. You know, uh, I think Rob made a great point about the spine, you know, uh, the two eights, you know, 10, 15 position. I think that Canada needs to start working on their spine. Uh, And that that would be that. And in terms of, if you had asked me pre-COVID, I had a ton of opinions. But COVID has changed a lot of how I feel Rugby Canada needs to be governed. And I think they've done a pretty bang-up job during the pandemic. So I'm not going to change too much of how they're governing things. I think the Pacific Pride has really shown that it's, that they made the right decision bringing that back. Uh, the only other thing that I would change in terms of rugby Canada is we need to start playing teams that are beatable. And I know that's not going to bring in the crowds, but we need to build some confidence back up in this new world cup cycle. So, you know, bring on teams like Namibia, bring on Russia. I know Russia has been the best confidence booster for us, but we need to start playing teams that are closer to us in the standings that you know can give us maybe a win uh i mean
1: yeah i don't uh, like yeah it's stuff like you do we need those guys playing a lot more games um we need everybody playing more games really that's probably one of the the biggest benefits to uh to mlr um but yeah like i don't as far as like like yeah like i'm not really sure like as far as like a governance rule or anything i would change um It would be – I think the one big thing that I really want to see, and I think it's already kind of happening, um, I want – like the one thing is like I really – what I would be doing is I really would be encouraging the Toronto Aeros to get that academy program off the ground and get rid of the idea of having like the centralized sort of team – Um, being like, yeah, if you want to play for Canada, if you want to play for the, like, if you want to sort of play for like Canada 15s, you got to fly out to Lankford and move to Lankford, um, which might not be something that's necessarily feasible for everybody. But if you had two different bases where you can send the guys to develop, I think that would be kind of the way to go. And I think the, with the Arrows Academy if that develops more it's like you can kind of divide that up send some of the east coast guys to Toronto send some of the west coast guys over to Langford um, when it comes time to put together like the U20 squad or you know a sevens team or whatever obviously you come together that would probably be at Langford but you know give give guys more cuz it's like nobody's getting rich off playing rugby right now so give guys some more options so that they don't necessarily have to um, completely uproot what they're doing outside of the game.
2: Yeah. I have a couple of rule changes. One is to do with um, staff because I remember um, reading a BBC article in the build-up to I think it was a rep charge saying that um, Kingsley Jones was the only full-time member of the coaching staff. And as soon as I read that, you know, face, meet, palm. Um, You, uh, Daniel talked about consistency and I think it's not only just in terms of the playing team, it's in the coaching staff as well. You need to know like who's going to be the kicking coach, um, who's going to be the attack coach, who's going to be the forwards coach and defensive coach. And because these are the people that you build a rapport with, and these are the people that You can learn from their skill set and you'll know what their skill set is. And yes, there'll be changes here and there as time goes on. But if you're getting, you know, the cheapest name possible for every big tournament that comes up and you're getting conflicting information anywhere between two to three times a year, then the team isn't going to perform well. See Canada in the ARC for the past few years. It's something that needs to be Addressed. I know that in the time of COVID, this isn't really a feasible thing to look at. But, you know, once this horrible disease is out of the way and we can focus on the future planning, then we need to have a consistent coaching staff in place for the players and in order to do well. Um, The next thing I'd say, and this is super future long term planning, is that when it comes to building a stadium, that rugby Canada should have an investment in it. I mean, if you look at some of the biggest unions in the world, some of the most financially um, successful is England and Wales, and that's because they own their stadia. So even when an event is going on and it has nothing to do with rugby, they still gain revenue because they own the stadia. Now, of course, it is going to cost millions to build a sadia. It will be a loan and the, for the next 20 or 30 years, you'll be paying off the loan and the interest on it. But once that's done, you then have a facility available for you in which you can say, this is where we will be playing our games. And for the rest of the year, it can be used as concert venues, um, giant conference halls. These kind of things. So it's constantly being used. That's revenue that's going back into Rugby Canada. And it's ensuring that the game has a financial backing going forward. Again, this is real future long term planning. I'm talking like 50 years minimum. But it's something that should be at least considered.
0: So, the, my only problem with that, Stu, and I love the idea, is Canada will have to do it twice. Because if you look at Wales, if you look at England, if you look at Ireland, even if you look at like Australia, where most of their fans are kind of centralized in one part of Australia, Canada has this problem where they've got a big fan base in Vancouver, or sorry, in BC and in Ontario and Montreal and Quebec. And, you know, it's all these different spots that are, that are hot spots. You know, if they could consolidate their fans to one area, or if there was a guarantee that, yeah, if we put one outside of Toronto, it would be guaranteed to have, you know, fans there every time. I mean, one of the things about what makes rugby Canada's game so exciting, it's kind of like a traveling circus, you know, it lands in, in certain hometowns or certain areas. And then it brings the crowds, you know, that's kind of their, they've been their shtick. Um, so I like the idea. It's just going to have to take some time to, de- you know, maybe it's going to be in consolidation with the arrows of building that fan base and saying, well, they've, there's an MLR team that's been here for 20 years and they've been successful and the fan base is guaranteed to come. So we're going to build our stadium here and work with them and make that happen. So I think that's the only nick in your plan, but I like it.
2: That, um, that is why I said uh, 50 years. minimum. Yeah. That's why it's super long-term. And then it would be a case of, say, you know you know maybe build it in ontario to begin with and then when i don't know bc place needs to be redeveloped or a new stadium needs to be built there that's when rugby Canada can swoop in and say well we've got so much revenue from our uh, ontario one how about if we invest 50 percent in to this new stadium and then 50 percent of all revenue comes to us and then bam, bam 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 there you go so on so forth then new venue in uh Quebec, and then one in uh, Nova
0: Scotia. Eventual Canada takeover. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Basically, buy MLSE and just own all (laughs) (laughs) that structure.
0: So, guys, we actually have a question from one of our uh, guests from last week. Uh, Rob Hammerschmidt asked, should the MLR season be pushed back to April? Um, That would maybe give uh, some, either the national teams or the MLR teams time to have a couple preseason games, kind of get these guys warmed up. um, Because there's not going to be a whole lot of rugby being played in in you know Toronto because it'll be winter leading up to February unless they they pick up and have their training camp somewhere else like they did a little bit in their first season. Um, so should they push it back, give teams a little bit more time to prepare, and then have a little bit nicer weather, or should we leave it as is? Is it is this
1: talking about like a COVID thing? Like if COVID's I believe so, I think
0: or like if it should be pushed back to April permanently. Well, I'm I'm interpreting it as just for this year.
1: Um, I think it I think it depends. I think if you, like you said, like I think I think the M L R maybe they might be doing well to have maybe two plans. It's like one being like get it off the ground in February, like originally planned. Um, but you know, camps camps not starting until January now. So like, at least for certain, th- um. But it's it's like maybe maybe you got to push it back instead of the start of February. Maybe you got to push it back a little bit later. I think the thing, though, that you really do run into is like if you're able to play rugby by April, um, I don't mean you're able to play by June and July most likely. So I think the big thing that you kind of have is like if you do push it back too, you run into a problem with the international window popping up. And I think if the international window kind of pops up and gets in the way and it's like guys have to, you know, miss playoff games or they have to miss, you know, the back half of the regular season because they're away at international duty. Um, it kind of diminishes the product a little bit. So that might be something that to also kind of consider, or, you know, maybe if you do start in April, maybe you can't play 16 games. Um, maybe you got to play something less, but I think, I think for right now, I think, I think the realistically, I think for right now you're planning on starting in February, but maybe you also have a backup plan in case you can't start in February. um, And I mean, we've seen with COVID how quickly the situations evolve and stuff. So um, we kind of talked as like a bubble might not be a feasible thing for the league. Um, So it'll, it'd be interesting. Um, I wouldn't necessarily rule it out, but I think right now I would still be hoping to get it off the ground in February. Um, And then like, well, like I said, I think the, the plan in April might have to be a shorter season if we did it in April.
2: Yeah, if it's a case of, yeah, because if um, COVID really spikes during the winter and there's no um, advancements in terms of treatment or vaccine, it may be a case of starting later in April. If that's the case, and this may be a controversial thing to say, it may be that you just have to focus on the interconference games. So the West Conference only and the East Conference only, and it may just be... One round, maybe um, uh, double round robin. i obviously haven't. I haven't, think, I haven't crunched the numbers yet.
1: Yeah, well, that's case. what I think. I would like would come with like a, if you started in April, I think it's a shorter season at that point. Yeah,
2: and then it would be the the only cross conference game would be the M L R final, and that would then. But but in that case, I would say if the M L R final is say at a neutral venue. Um, and then it can you can ensure that it's been properly sanitized and that people can get in there, get out as quickly as possible, and it just works for the benefit. Um ideally I'm sure we would all prefer to have like the full season and but we this is also six months out from the start from the February start for MLR. So ideally being the idealist and the uh foolish optimist as shown with Hawaii um, I'm hoping that the numbers don't uh, spike too much uh, this coming winter and hopefully we can have a plan in place by the time it does come to February that the plan is uh, February 13th is the first game and here we go for the start yeah. to complete a full season
0: all right gentlemen we're gonna move on to the last question that I and it's a doozy so Cole Keith tagged our uh, Twitter account and uh, Brian Ray from America's Rugby News and proposed the idea that we need to bring back a Canada West versus a Canada East exhibition exhibition match. You know, with the way COVID is looking and teams making it difficult to, you know, travel internationally, this might be the best chance to get – can, rugby candace high-performance athletes playing important games. And the success of uh, the All Blacks North uh, versus South game, which no one spoil it for me. I have stopped at halftime because my daughter woke up from her nap, so I don't know how it ends. So, he challenged wow. us.
1: When, uh, you, when you do finish watching that, you're you're in for a treat, man. And that's you all should, I'm going to hear get from on
0: you. The, I don't yeah. want to hear anything else. Dude, but, it's, it's the best game that's been played
1: since COVID easily. It's amazing.
0: So if you are all interested, uh, Brian Ray wrote up a really, a really good uh, article about it, made his case for his teams. Um, we're going to use his uh, criteria, which is no overseas professionals will be considered um, to all players uh, have emerged at some point through one of the four selection streams, MLR, the sevens program, Pacific pride or Canada U 20. Um, and we are cutting out the age limit that Brian uh, wrote because uh, we're just trying to have fun Uh, Four players are aligned as closely possible to the CRC or provincial team. They have representative way where where they have not played either. They are aligned based on in, on their home province. Um, And we've also kind of said that there are situations where there's certain players that was born You know in one province uh never represented the province but is now playing for like for example the arrows or another team in canada so we're gonna go we're we're gonna flex that a little bit um so gentlemen we're gonna start with the east because we're east biased east coast bias east coast bias east coast best coast as i have heard some people say so let's start with our packs so uh uh Stu, why don't you go first?
2: Well, I tend to agree a lot with uh, Brian Ray, with one major exception. Um, and that is, of course, Mr. Q, Andrew Quatrin, has to be in the starting lineup, I feel. So I'm going to say that the front row for me is uh, uh Quatrin, and then, of course, the uh, man of the hour, uh,
0: Mr. Cole Keith. Eric, who'd you choose for your front row?
1: Exact same as Stu. I think, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the, the front row, I don't necessarily want to say it's obvious because Howard is also a very uh, talented hooker, but I think recent form, in my opinion, quat- I'm leaning towards Quatrin being the better player at this moment. Um, so I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Quattro and that might be a little bit of a Toronto Aeros bias, but um, it's happening. It's happening in this um, Sears, Duru, Keith there. I mean, if, if we're putting together team Canada right now, that might be the front row. They're the two starting props. So um, that's, that's an easy one. Front row is easy.
0: Yeah. I'm, I, uh, I picked uh, Eric Howard to be my starting hooker. I think that, um, I think Quatron had a strong start to the season, uh, but there's just something to be said about experience and I want an experience pack. Um, so I'm picking Howard. We
1: gotta get you a Nola hat now.
0: <laughs> Listen, if someone if Nola Gold wants to send me from Swag, I will wear it. All right, gentlemen, uh who are you picking for your engine house then?
2: Well, you were talking about experience. This is where I believe experience is needed. And again, it's uh, two arrows. Uh, so my locks of choice are Shepherd and Cialini. So, you know, I don't, it is the arrows bias in me, but Shepard definitely, especially with his re-signing over uh, the past uh, two weeks, and Paul Cialini, like we know what these guys can do. Uh, so for me, it's without question.
1: Uh, yeah, you know what? For me, um, a little bit different. Um, I'm. Uh... Man, I, I have – you want to see what I really have here? I have four names written down, and I have a bunch of them that are crossed out, circled, uncrossed out, because um, I was trying to figure out what exactly <laughs> the philosophy I wanted to do on this. Um, so at various different times, I had Kyle Bailey, Mike Shepard, um, Connor Keys. I even had Adrian Wadden's name written down there at some point. Um, just, cool. But um, I think, like, I'm kind of see – I know you said to take out the age limit thing, but I think there's some guys that I'm just like I've seen enough of, and I feel like, yeah, like I feel like, man, like Shepherd, I know what he is. Kyle Bailey, I'm curious to see some some of the new younger players. Um, what did? Not can't I don't know I can't I feel like I can't justify keys or, or Wadden over keys so I'm gonna go with keys and then Cialini gets the five jersey for some reason I was only really debating the four um, but Cialini was always always locked into that five jersey um, so I'm gonna go with Connor Keys
0: uh, I went with Kyle Bailey and Paul Um uh, <laughs> Bailey is kind of just been a soldier for. Uh, the Nola Gold since their existence and he has just been kind of the general at Canada's lineup time and we saw what happens to the lineup when he wasn't playing so I am going with him uh with in my four jersey. name in my five. He's just an Ooh. absolute timber log. We don't he's need just been, you don't need to explain why he's there. Now gentlemen, your back Rose, Cause I think this is this is a very interesting discussion. Who are you picking for your six, seven, and eight? Stu,
1: keep the order flowing.
2: Well, again, starting with uh, the uh, hope the at least vice captain and probably going to be the new captain of the Toronto Arrows has to be Lucas Rumble. He also has experience captaining the um, Canada the national side. Um, Matt Heaton, from what I have seen, he's absolutely Brilliant and definitely, and uh, Carl Bailey as well. I think, uh, that as a back row is very intimidating. Would it be better than uh, Canada West? Well, uh, I'll get onto that list uh, in a bit, but those those would be my uh, that'd be my back row,
1: yeah. I think, man, Carl Bailey, I do love you, man, but um, I just I, I know what you are, I know what you are, and I think, I think going into you know, we do I do like the idea of using this game as maybe like a world like or like a Team Canada national team, like kind of po- to help in the selection process. And I mean Kyle Bailey is a full out. He's gonna be on Team Canada until much like DTH Vander Merver, he just decides that he is not on Team Canada anymore. Um when he's actually like, Hey guys, I'm retiring, don't pick me, that's when Kyle Bailey stops getting picked by teams. And for that reason, I wanna try something kind of new. Um, so flankers, easy, Matt Heaton, Lucas Rumball, my eight, I'm going with Colby Francis because I want to see what he can do against other the national team players in that environment. It's your trial. You get like maybe one shot at it. So, um, Colby, you better play good in this game, but I want to see what you can do.
0: You know, it's interesting. Uh, when, we, when When we had Brian Ray on our podcast many moons ago, I picked Colby Francis to play for Canada and then in their first ARC game. However, I've taken yeah. a different approach. This,
1: this game doesn't count for anything other than evaluating players though. Exactly. So I'm putting Colby Francis in. That's fair, that's fair. If, if it's a game that matters, Kyle Bailey is in the starting lineup. <laughs> this is a game um, to evaluate players though. I already I, have evaluated Kyle Bailey.
0: I have picked Rumble at the six seven, Ooh. I've picked uh, Mo Mo Abdulmanum. From Ooh. Austin, Ooh. I think that he yeah. has played so well, and I want I want me a jackal. I want someone that's just going to get me the ball so I can get them out to my uh, my uh, other uh, more offensively talented players. And one of those guys is a former Ontario Arrow, Matt Mullins of the Sevens program. He has played mm-hmm. eight for the arrows. Uh, and he has played for the uh, the Blues as a uh, eight. And I want someone that is going to pick that ball and run. So I'm going with Mullins as my eight. All right. And now, gentlemen, we will move on to our uh, our nine and ten. Uh, you know, we were just talked quickly about halfback pairs. So, uh, Derek, you go ahead and you start first.
1: Yeah, um, I think. To be honest, I think this one's relatively easy. To I mean, I think it, um, it kind of depends. Like you said, I think if you don't have if you don't have the um, the age, if you're playing with if you're putting in a little bit of an age restriction that rules out uh, Jamie McKenzie. But if you don't, McKenzie makes a name for himself. Is obviously up for consideration. Um, but I think I'm still going to go with um, Andrew Ferguson, and then the ten. Like I said, when we did this last time tense thin so I'm going with Will Kelly and I feel like I know who Dan might say and my response is going to be he's on my bench so shh.
2: yeah I'm going to have to agree with Derek for these picks I'm um, Andrew Ferguson I, I I was on the fence about picking Jamie McKenzie but I've tried to narrow it down to only one um 30 plus wild card on each team so yeah I yeah it's gonna have to be Andrew Ferguson and Will Kelly for me as well
0: well I do have Ferguson as well and I have uh, from Oshawa Ontario Brock Webster and my 10 jersey Another young guy, uh, part of the sevens program. Uh, really impressed me at the uh, under-20s uh, the last time it was run. He had a, a very impressive uh, halfback uh, pairing with Percillier. I want to see what he can do, and uh, don't worry, Arrowheads. I have plans for Will Kelly, so let's uh, let's move on. Gentlemen, who did you pick for your wingers?
2: Okay, well...
0: Derek, who did you pick? Well, well, Stu's hum- <laughs> yeah. well, while Stu's, yeah. Stu's
2: humming.
1: While Stu's humming while Stu is I, like still I, picking well, his wingers. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, all right. So while <laughs> Stu is like, oh right, there's wingers. Um uh, I went with um went with a little sevens flavor on the wings here. Um so I went with uh Josiah Mora will rock the 11 jersey and um Andrew Coe, um, I put in the uh, 14. Um, just Both guys just speed for days. Um, good finishing touch, exactly what you need out of a winger. Um, you know, if you're looking at uh, the, uh, the Ontario system right now, as we touched on, a lot of South American guys on the wing. So we're looking to the sevens program. Yeah,
2: this would uh, – if this had been – uh, decided last year. Obviously, it would have been Dan Moore. Would have been one of my choices for the wing. Retirement has ruled him out. So, I've had to. I've been looking through uh, the archives, archives um, and <laughs> arrows videos from last year, and my choices are going to be uh, Kainoa Lloyd, uh, number eleven, and again Andrew Coe on the wing as
0: well. I, I went the same with uh, with Stu there. I think we need a little bit. Uh, listen, with my with my fly half and another pick that I made, I need a little bit more experience than what Mora uh, uh, can bring me. So I'm I'm going with Lloyd and and Coach could just just you can just, just change more... your fly half. That could be another option. You can change your fly. What half. am I going to change it to? Will Kelly, who's also <laughs> just a little baby. No, I'm not going to go with that. Derek. Moving on. Who Will can Kelly's pick for the centers?
1: Will Kelly's capital. <laughs> Still, go ahead.
2: Centers. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, this um, was a name that uh, Brian Ray also had to try and justify having, um, but um, his work as a center is fantastic. It's uh, Spencer Jones, definitely, and I think to um, pair him with on the East is going to be Mitch Richardson.
1: Yeah, I was I was wondering how uh, how you guys wanted to rule on Spencer Jones. He's got the weird... um. Never played for a team in the CRC, born in Edmonton. Does that make them, you know, does that make them, you know, West Coast? Yeah. Does that make them East? Um,
2: my theory was if Brian can put him on the East, then so can we. So if you have any complaints, Brian uh, Ray is on Twitter. Uh, Send him that. Line.
1: You know what, though? No, I mean, I, I'm going to spoil a little bit of my West team with this, um, but. Um, I, I think I was going to like, yeah, if it's not Jones, I think with the no age limit, it's got a Kieran Hearn would be the next guy up. And I'm like, I don't really want to put a 35 year old in this game. Um, but you know, if, if Jones isn't there, it's him. Um, but I think, I think the big thing, man, is, you know what, honestly, I just want to see it. Cause like, I, like I said, man, I think the arrows have some of the best center depth in major league rugby and I just think it would be fun to watch Jones and Richardson against the toile massage um, just to kind of see how that would work. So um, I don't really care where he's born. I just, this is just for my own fun in games at this point in time, it's going to be um, yeah. Spencer Jones, Spencer Edmi- Spencer Jones born in Edmonton, Ontario, um, and, um, that's kind of what, yeah, I don't know that's really the justification, Mitch Richardson, man, I still said like, I'm, you know, it's unfortunate the COVID ended the season. Cause I still think like his preseason was unreal. He was looking like he could really have an absolute breakout year. So, um, you know, I'm still a big, big Mitch Richardson guy. And, uh, hopefully he's able to carry that over into 2021. So I'm still excited to uh, see what he brings to the table.
0: So I've grown pretty comfortable watching Spencer Jones in the 13 jersey, especially with him and. Oh God! Detois. Is this going to be
1: Spencer Jones on the wing thing again? Nope, Are we nope, bringing nope, that nope, back nope, up? Nope, Are we nope, coming nope. back to that? I've already
0: made. I've already made my decisions oh for wings.
1: Is is is, is on the wing on Stu's team? Oh. <laughs> Just because uh, you're not
0: creative, Derek doesn't mean you get see. to make fun of us. Wait and see. Um, but uh, I have decided to go with Jones as my 13 jersey. He's got the experience. He's he's such a strong tackler. You're putting him so in 13.
1: creative. Putting Jones 13 instead of putting Jones at 13. Whoever. All right, who so who's your 12? Will Kelly. Oh,
0: because when he was playing in the Ontario Premiership, he was playing for Brantford.
1: Yeah, he plays for Brantford. Brantford he Harle for yeah.
0: Harlequins. He was playing in the 12 jersey, and you know what? He has bulked up quite a bit uh, from before he was ever signed by uh, the Arrows. So I would like to see him be, you know, another option at first receiver, much like how Owen Farrell plays for. England, I—that is right. I'm building a little bit of philosophy with my back line. Hopefully, so, he doesn't tackle
1: the same though.
0: Yeah, well, if he decapitates somebody, um, sure. that is the way it goes. You know, that's that's life in rugby. No, but uh, I, again, uh, you know what? I think that fly halves need to have experience um, in other positions. Which I th- and I think twelve is a perfect one. You can act as a second receiver. You have to be a strong tackler, and I think that this would be a good test for Will Kelly going forward. Um, and guys, I think it's pretty unanimous for our fifteen, Patrick Parfrey. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. Those are that is our team East. Now, gentlemen, we're gonna kind of uh, move this along. Uh, who did you guys pick for your team West? Let's start with our, our front row quickly.
2: Uh, so yeah, I was pretty consistent with also uh, what Brian Ray said of. Um, Noah Barker and Jake Ilnicki. And then as Hooker, um, the man who scored that amazing try against San Diego Legion is Stephen Ng.
1: Yeah, you know what? I decided to go a little bit of a different direction. Um, you know, it, it's funny. When we were putting together these teams, it became quickly apparent that um, the East has way better forwards and um, the West has way better backs and then, um, and that's just kind of like the fun strength of this team. Um, so I think the West, um, same thing like last time. It's like, man, I know what ill Nicky is, I know what Barker is. Um, I kind of want to see some new guys. So, um, I'm going with uh, Pride Loosehead, head, uh, Leah Murray, Stephen Ng, as Stu already touched on. And then we're going to go with the Houston Sabercat tight head, uh, Nick Hildenbrand. Um, so let's uh, roll out some of the Pride guys against, like I said, it would be like arguably the best front row that Canada can put out barring like Matt Tierney coming over from France. But, um, so it'd be an interesting test for those guys, but I think that's kind of the way to go here.
0: So uh, with the route in which I'm going with my pack, I wanted a little bit more experience at two. Um, so I've got Liam Murray at, at loosehead. head. I've got Noah Barker starting at two. Uh, he's got experience at loose and at hooker uh, Played a little a, a good bunch with Glendale at hooker So go with Barker at two And I've got Ilnicki just because I do want to see what Liam Murray's got There's talks of him maybe moving down South to join the MLR team um, Still kind of whispers And hush hush stuff so I want to see what he's got so I put him At number one now gentlemen who did you Pick for your your, uh, your locks <laughs>
2: So I went uh, with the pick of Josh Larson and because I think he's a great player. And then um, going over what Brian Ray said about Regan O'Gorman, because that was a name that hadn't stuck out to me. And then he says, oh, it's okay to include him because he's going to be in MLR from next year. And therefore he's a player. He's therefore okay player. He's not an overseas player. And I'm like... Okay, sure. Whatever. And then I was like, "Oh, you know, I'll check out a highlight video of uh Ogorman see what he's like." Um yeah, he he's in my squad as well. He uh he's a beast and I think he can make a big difference.
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of went slightly different. I mean, I think Josh Larson is the, um, clear choice at four. So I'd be, um, unless I don't know, I'd have never, never know what direction Dan goes with these teams, but, um, I think Josh Larson's safe at four, Dan.
0: I got him at five, but sure. Yeah.
1: All right. All right. All right. So he's there though. He's there. there. Um, and then I'm going to go with, um, just because you know a little bit less pro options, um, I guess out west. I'm going to go uh, to UBC Thunderbirds. I'm going to take Frank uh, Frank Carson. The uh, um, whoa. So I don't know if this reaction is from Dan here.
0: It's I got the like, same thing. I went
1: you got with the same thing. Same thing. thing? Yes. <laughs> same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no! That I oh, no, man. I'm coming. Oh, you're trying you're you're to on me. No. Yeah. Ah, this isn't good. This isn't good. Yeah, I was gonna say I went with Frank Carson. Uh, immense, immense in the lineout. He was uh, you sports yeah, like he was a uh, all star at the uh, um university, uh, national championship last year. Um, and yeah, and I think, you know, it's one of those, uh, one of those guys that'd be like, yeah, if there was a, if, there, if Canadians were eligible for the draft, dude, there's, there's a lot of MLR teams that would want this guy. So, um, again, man, let's see, you know, let's see how he lines up against a guy like Paul Cialini.
0: Yeah, I would with the same thing. I think that uh, oh, he's got the Carson, making me very nervous. The Carson's have a a strong rich history, yeah. especially with a lot of them playing together, the Carson cousins. So I think Frank is just a tall glass of water, and he's gonna and he's just gonna do fine. Now, gentlemen, what is your your back row? Because I made a very interesting, crazy decision uh, with with one of my picks. So I want to hear what you guys went uh, with. I think we should hear that crazy pick first. Yeah, all right. You can't you got so, Yeah, oh, exactly. No, you teased Long it now. Out.
1: Yeah, let's hear it. So
0: at six I've gotten a kind penny. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. He's yeah. he's played yeah. extremely that, well that for the schools. That
1: is normal, yes. Yeah.
0: At seven, I picked Travis Larson. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, you know. Okay, yeah. You know, played MLR, you know, he's been on a couple teams now. It's
1: it's clearly not the insane one. So
0: So with my number eight pick, my my number eight Will um, Priscilla,
1: oh, what? <laughs> I don't even know a, where you're going. So,
0: I've picked a player that doesn't have much number oh eight gosh. experience. So he has none. He has none. That's he has none. Saying. He has none. Okay. But I think that uh, the way we've watched him play in the Sevens program uh, leads to a strong eight man. And really, in terms of position in the scrum, you got to push and you got to pull that ball back. Uh, and he's a strong tackle in his seventh program. So I'm going to go with my number eight. I'm going to go with Connor Braid. Oh, huh. that is interesting.
1: Man. Yeah, you're right. He has zero eight experience. Yep, yeah, you're right. You know what? Um, when was the last is, time he played
0: something. 15s? It, it, all that yeah, stuff's fresh out played, of his
1: mind. He played center.
0: Did he not? Yeah, he, he played center, center, but. Center, 15s? If he was playing lock or hooker, I would be more concerned about his his scrum ability. But as an eight man You just have to push I'm sure there's more There's more hey. nuance to it I'm sure Eight peep, eight men Come at me I'm, I'm just a prop You know whatever Do as you will I'm just saying that I want someone that is going to Again Same reason why I picked Matt Mullins I Boy, want someone that's going to Come so, off the back of that scrum fast And have playmaking ability And he's got that I'm not so, How uh,
1: I don't know I guess this is just my, How old is Connor Braid? He's 31
0: Yeah <sighs>
1: I think that's the thing I don't like the most about it is like why change a guy's position when he's over 30 already. And that likely won't be on any world cup squads going forward. Um, that's, I, um, I guess, I, it, guess I, seen I, I, seen I it's not like guys. I'm like, it's not like, you know, this isn't like just Seppi to should play wing or anything, but um, it's, uh, I don't know. Or maybe it is. Maybe Let it me is put it to you this bad. way. And, know, and my, my reasoning like, with it, my, yeah,
0: exactly. And that's the thing. Big, big sevens players it. don't last long in sevens for long and they make the transition, you know, 15 side mm-hmm. of it. And that's where we go. But uh, Derek, you go, tell us, tell us who you're, you're picking to you know, finish off your pack. All right. Well,
1: all my back row players for the West have back row experience, <laughs> crazy concept, but they all do. Um, so I got, I got Travis Larson at eight, um, Nakai Penny. I put at seven. Uh, man, I really want to see Nikai Penny get a legit shot at the uh, national team. So, um, Like I think, and I think that would be the interesting thing with this game is to see him like you know head to head with Lucas Rumball, uh, Matt Heaton on the other side. I'm going to go with my sixth though. Um, I'm going with James O'Neill from uh, University of Victoria, the UVic Vikings. There, Um, that is a player that without a doubt, if Canadians were eligible for the draft would be the property of some MLR team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of coming out of school. Hopefully he'll find a home and land somewhere. Um, you know, one of those things where the arrows back row is ridiculous. So it's, that's a tough team to crack, but hopefully, you know, hopefully he ends up somewhere else. Um, but yeah, he was like, yeah, you former U twenty team captain um, just tore apart U sports when um, the time that he was here um, as well. So he needs somewhere else to play, and I think you know if he doesn't have a contract yet in the MLR, which he doesn't, but like you know, the, like if if this game were to actually happen, it would be like a good like showcase for him. Plus, um, as we're kind of discussing here, it's like you know the west the west pack isn't as deep as the east, so um, stretching into uh, the you know, university and uh, the BC premier league is something that I think needs to be done here. And, um, you know, it's just kind of cool. It's kind of similar. Like we got to start seeing what we have and some of the guys that are, you know, he's dominating the U sport level. So we, got. I think it's, you know, put him up against Matt Heaton and see what he has. So, uh, like see how he measures up. Cause I think we got to be looking to the future on these things now.
0: What about you, Steve? Who did you pick?
2: Well, I think there's a common theme with uh, two of these players here. Um, so my number six would be Nakai Penny, and my number eight would be Travis Larson, which we've established are the picks for the wet. But and um, the reason so those two picks are both have um, MLR experience. But my number seven has just recently become an MLR um, player, the new signing for the Arrows the exact dimensions as a certain man of steel from Krypton is Siaki Vikilani He's uh 20, he's six foot three and you know, no, you know, it's that that's the, the, what you want what you want the guys that already ha- are going to get MLR experience to then be progressing to play for a Canadian side in this case. Um, and yeah, I, I give the I give the kid a shot. Definitely, I think yeah. he you know get him in straight huh. in at the deep end and uh,
1: see how it goes. I so had what? him on my bench.
0: Yeah, I did too. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, oh yeah, sure, sure.
0: <laughs> All right, John. Well, who are your halfbacks? Is... <laughs> oh, what, what are you guys picking to you know uh, control control the game for this for this West team?
2: Mm, well. I've gone for what I think is probably the safer option. I know the, there's more of a choice for the backs in the West, but I've gone for Jordan uh, Sandova best for scrum half and Robbie V for the fly half position.
1: Yeah, I think I, think I like Paul V at fly half. I think I agree with that. I think... Um, my other, my other option that I was kind of thinking of was Hiriyama. Um, but again, that kind of goes against my look into the future philosophy. Um, but I think if you were to be like, if you were going out, um, you know what? Like, I think if we had the overseas, if we involved the overseas players and we actually just wanted to be like the best East team, the best West team with no restrictions on where anybody to play, it would look a little bit different. And I think maybe there'd be less focus on that. And I would just want to see a kind of like a New Zealand North for South style, just throw the, you know, the uh, 46 best players in the country on the pitch. Um, But I am, so that's, so because of that though, I'm going to go with Povey if not Hiriyama, I think would be my West scrum half. Um, But in because I want to look to the future Povey, um, my nine, I am, um, doing a whole bunch of wacky things with the rule book, um, here, um, because rugby United, New York alerted, um, the Toronto arrows to a player that is has a Canadian passport in Jason Higgins. And, um, Jason Higgins, um, is born in Ireland and um, by virtue of that, has not played for a CRC team. And um, so for the sake of my argument, Ireland is on the west coast of Canada. And be it based on that, because I can, tell tell me what in the rules is telling me that I can't do this, Dan. You're looking uh, at me funny. I mean, what the in the rules is telling me? if you're...
0: If you, okay, the argument you what made for Spencer... If the argument we made for Spencer Jones was he hadn't played for a CRC team and we were basing his east coastness on the fact that he plays for the Arrows... Then Higgins should also be an East Coast guy. That's my only argument. Also, Ireland is east
1: of Canada. Well, I know Ireland is east of Canada, Stu. It was just it's called a joke. It's called a joke. Um yeah. You know what? Yeah. But you know what though, Dan? He hasn't played a game for the Arrows, has he? Which means you actually don't. He's burn a free agent. He's a free agent. Exactly. By the for rules, Canada, at least you don't burn your eligibility until you actually play for the team. Is that a fair point? Is that a That's fair fine. Point? That's, That's a fine. fair point. It, you don't burn eligibility
0: of, until you play. In the means Jones of time, the because it's so. getting late, I will. I will give this to you. All right, sure. Basically, um, I'm playing. for... All right, so I
1: have a reason for it. Basically, um, it's because if you don't do that, like you said, we're kind of ending up with. You know, probably send over best um, there. Um, you know, maybe, um, maybe uh, Crosby Mason um, as well, you know, kind of going that route, um, Pacific Pride and uh, UBC there. But um, if what I kind of want realistically is if we're looking at Ferguson for like the next World Cup and stuff, you know, Ferguson and Higgins right now, let's, you know, as Higgins has come in he's like, yeah, he's eligible. Cool. Let's put him up against the, some of the eligible scrum halves in Canada. Right. So right now it's like, if, if you're kind of looking past McKenzie, just because maybe he's not, he might not go to the next world cup, or just cause you know, due to retirement are, you know, getting up there in age or whatever. Um, you know, so the next guy up is Ferguson then. And with, right. So you might, I just want to see Higgins versus, I guess you we know, all, with the exception of Persilia, the best scrum half in Canada, Ferguson. Yeah. If you take out McKenzie, you take out Mac because Mac's retiring, those are the scrum half. And you take out McCrory, like those are the scrum halves at the World Cup. So it's like.
0: I completely forgot thin. about Gordon McCrory. No, yeah, no idea. Dude, yeah. <laughs> it's, right.
1: But it's like, yeah, it's thin. Right. So I just, I'm, I'm blending the rules to see him. Solely to see him play against Andrew Ferguson. Let's stack them against each other. But I, I, I do like Stu's pick of uh, Sandover best yeah. too. But
0: I, I went a, a uh, I took my nine from sevens, and you know what? I don't need to see a battle in the sevens. I already know that Percilier and Ferguson are going to be our two scrum halves that we're going to be dealing with in the next World Cup cycle, and they should be. Unless Higgins is better,
1: and then in which case we use this game to find
0: out. <laughs> I would still say Priscilla is our best. Well, uh, oh, Priscilla is the best yeah. scrum half. So it's not. who I'm picking for nine is I'm going to give him a send off for everything that he's done for the program uh, and for the sevens program. I'm going with uh, Nathan Hiriyama at my nine. Oh, you're with you nine. Okay, I'm going with the nine, and and my reasoning is, is if you w- again if you watch the way that he plays in. Um, the sevens uh, uh, structure for Canada. He is one of the first guys almost every single time that is throwing that ball out when there's a, a, a rock. He, he's right. there. He's there first. He's got that speed. And then, and sometimes he interchanges with Harry Jones. So I like that. I like that. He's uh, got that. He, obviously he's got the 10 experience cause he played for at the world cup as 10. Um, and he's also played for the, for the 15th program as a 10, but I want to see him as a nine, just because, honestly, I don't like my options at 9 anywhere else. And I've also picked Robbie Povey. I think, again, when we talk about the next World Cup cycle and consistency, I, let's I, give Robbie Povey more of a chance to play at 10. He he was yeah. kind of shoved out of the uh, of the uh, repichage and then never really looked back again by Kingsley Jones. And honestly, I think he probably could have done as good of a job as McRory did. Yeah. Um, so I'm going with, I, with Povey. I think it'll be interesting with Pulvey
1: now that he's on Houston and they have Sam Windsor there, how he gets utilized. If he gets, because it's like that, that could be an interesting thing. Like if he ends up playing like a full season of MLR at fullback and then you bring him to Canada and you got to yep. ask him to switch positions and stuff too. Um, so, I mean, I I think, I think looking forward, like just in general, looking forward, you kind of have Will Priscilla is the scrum half and we need to get him into as many games as possible. Um, It's good that he's playing in the top 14. So that's where he should be. That's great. Um, But I think we, we got to figure out a fly half. I think that's the biggest, the biggest hole in this team right now.
0: And you know what? Like we, um, we watched a 10 and a 15 in the arrows play pretty fluidly with Sam Malcolm and uh, Taylor Adams. Yeah, so I, I don't hate the Fair. idea of Povey playing fifteen and no, learning I from, from. No, I, I
1: don't. Uh, I don't hate the idea either. Windsor. But it's it's you know it's it's a jump in uh, position, and that's the thing too, right? It's like the um, the two like the fly halves that the arrows have used the most, like. Whatever the number is, there's way more minutes played by a New Zealand fly half than a Canadian yeah. fly half. So, um, which I mean is the way it should be on the Toronto Arrows, and that's not like a like a knock or a complaint or anything. It's just yes, right. But it's like we we do have to like that's our thinnest position. So we got to there's got to be some Something. solution to come soon.
0: For sure. Anyways, uh, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Who did you guys pick for your wingers? Oh, am I glad you asked that question.
2: So oh, no <laughs> uh, so I think one of my wingers uh, I'm annoyed that he's playing for the Seawolves at the moment as maybe it's the Ospreys fan in me but it has to be Jeff Hassler. Then for the other choice, <laughs> I was incredibly tempted to pick De toi on the wing but oh god oh. I decided against that I think as long he, as you decided against I don't even care who this yeah. is anymore as long as
1: you decided against de well,
2: on the well remember I said I pick one guy who's over 30 as a wild card now technically like um, some other players that we mentioned um, not uh, from Canada because he was technically he was born in South Africa But he came to Canada in Regina, Saskatchewan, recently retired from international duty. But I'm bringing him back for one final Listen, this isn't
0: international. This is a national game. Exactly.
2: So I am bringing in DTH Vandermeerwa.
1: See, if Stu can do that, I'm I'm kind of mad that I didn't think of that either. I didn't think Um, of it either. But... If Stu can do
0: that, no, no, his he thing is makes way more he sense than yours. He, he doesn't have a contract, though. <laughs> he doesn't even have a contract. That we know the of. Last,
1: the last team he played for was in Scotland. <laughs> that we know of. We don't know that, that we he, know of he have a sign. That we know of exactly. Officially. So the
0: bending of the rules is the exact same. I'm just using the
1: to defend listen. Jason Higgins' playing for the West no, Coast.
0: It doesn't work. Who All did right. you pick? Uh, it's Derek. Uh, well now
1: I picked ETH Vandermeer, <laughs> and uh, now I had. Um, for my what are we doing? Wingers? Wingers. Um, yeah. Jeff Hassler and Doug Fraser.
0: I almost had uh Jeff Hassler and Doug Fraser. I, I tossed around that idea. I uh, really liked what Fraser did this season, but I wanted to go a little younger and I'm picking another guy from the seventh circuit. I'm to picking Jake Thiel. I want to see what he can do. Damn, I had Jake Thiel on my bench too. Yeah, no, so I all that, s- all the s- slight like
1: one off things. I feel like we're not too far off, except we're there's a couple, of off. a couple of weird one. A couple weird Connor Braids playing eight man, but um mm-hmm. like I I feel like in general, we're not too, too, too far off from each other here.
0: Okay, guys, um, uh, who are your centers? Because I think this one is interesting. Uh, this one's easy, interesting. Right? No, Is it I, easy I or interesting? interesting?
1: Oh, right. I'm talking to you guys. This could be very interesting. Yeah. Um, I already, Derek, I already said my centers. I already said my centers. G and uh, Lesage. That's what we're going with.
2: Yeah. I'm going to agree. It's uh, Datois and Lesage. I, I know yeah, this is... Datois may maybe on the wing, but uh,
0: no, I'm going to pick him as uh, to, uh, with So I almost went full weird on you guys, and then I decided to taper it off. I almost caught... – Connor Braid playing eight isn't full – You know what? I almost picked Quinn Naguadi as my starting 13 and not Ben Lesage. I mean, at, hey, at least he's a center. Uh, whatever. he's he, he, Carter's not a center. He's a, he's, a, he's a sevens player. Listen, that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, I I went with Lesage in my 13 jersey. Uh, I, I just can't not justify him being there. But... Like Derek has said, I kind of know to a certain extent what Tatois can do. I mean, he's, he's an evolving player. He's still very young. Uh, but there's another young player that plays in MLR that's a center that I want to know what he can do at a, at a higher level, um, and that's George Barton. I know that he's been capped, but uh, the rate in which he's been playing um, in uh, for the Seawolves, and like he, he looks like a prop and he runs like, like, a, like, a, like a center. He's, he's incredible. Uh, and I want him – I want to see what he can do. And, again, if I'm matching him up against the the the, the East team that I've made, I think that's a very interesting uh, battle between Barton and Kelly. I want to see what Kelly can do when he's got that running at him. So uh, uh, in terms of challenging my own right. teams uh, and just in terms of my own entertainment value, I want to see that – and I think that those, honestly, I think that they complement each other. I think that, um, you know, uh, Barton plays a very north-south game. You know, I'm going to run through you. And I think that uh, he's also got some nice hands that he can send that ball out to Lesage. And how many times do we see Lesage to Moore or Lesage to Adams? Or, you know, you know, he's got such a good playmaking ability that that those two can work well together.
1: So what was it, what was your full weird? Was it just Barton oh, and Oh, my full weird
0: was like I I, I want to Barton, know what your full weird was. But it was Barton and Ngwadi, which it wasn't full weird, but like I just wanted two towering monsters in the midfield hey, just man, prowling. At least, least Ngwadi plays center. At least uh, what, you just don't have any creativity, Derek. All right. And uh I think again it's a pretty obvious creativity. Choice. I just
1: bent the rules to put an Irish guy on the West
0: team. <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> you basically just yeah, all right. Um and our and our last choice guys, uh I picked Theo Sauter. I think you guys are crazy if you're not picking yeah.
1: him. Yeah, I picked him too. Yeah, I picked yeah, the easy that's an easy one, yeah.
0: My my, my sweet little brain hopes that once the Olympics are over both co and, and solder will, will make the march back to uh, Ontario and uh, play once again for the arrows. And then maybe the short-term contracts of some of the South American guys will kind of go away and, and, you know, it'll be like a welcoming home party and they'll be stuck with the 15s program. Uh, so that's how I envision it. Um, Soldered is going to be, I think a big piece of Canada's future.
1: So, who coaches them?
0: Uh, I I think that uh, you got Jamie Cudmore in the West and Silverthorne in the East. I think that's a slam dunk decision. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good shout to make or you can make See, it more fun and you can make it like UFC where they had former play, former fighters as the coaches and you could have Aaron Carpenter as the east coach cuz then you know they could banter about each other about being former teammates. I actually like that idea better. I'm going with Aaron Carpenter as my east coach. See, my my <laughs> what I was thinking
1: was I was going a little bit broader, I guess. My thought was because Rugby Canada was based out of Langford, you get Kingsley Jones and the Canadian national staff coaches the West. And then Mark Winokur, Chris Silverthorne, and the Arrow staff coaches the East. And then does that happen go back across. Because we have talked about how they kind of play. The games are a little bit of a different play style. The attacking structure is a little bit different. Um, throw them head to head against each other. Let's uh, you know, kind of see what happens because so that'd be an interesting little. I just think if you did the full staffs, I think that'd be a little bit of an interesting wrinkle to put into um, both of the games or into this game here.
0: Um, now, guys, we've had uh, people talk ask us also. You know, what would be the the structure? You know, I think that. Just starting for now, I think a one-off game is more than good enough. Um, well, guys, yeah. I think that's it for for tonight. We've had lots to talk about. Um, Stu, if they want to follow us on social media, where can they go?
2: They can go to Twitter and see La Rouge Rugby podcast. They all La Rouge Rugby, I believe it is. Um, we're on Anchor FM and on Spotify. Uh, we're now also on our YouTube channel as well, uh, La Rouge Rugby. So make sure to check out the visual representation of this podcast later this week.
0: All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Everyone, enjoy your uh, start to the fall, and hopefully maybe I'll get to finish that uh, North and South game. Cheers, everyone.